0: Listen to more conversations about work, both hot takes and thoughtful takes, with me, Carl Javier, and Jackie Caniza on The Imaginable Workplace. Check it out on Spotify and wherever else you listen to podcasts.
1: Have you ever wondered why the ads you see on social media seem to be getting smarter and more persistent? Like how do they know what brands you wear or what you were just googling? They even know your favorite coffee brand. That's because for years, marketers have been collecting your precious data from social media. And what you don't realize is that it's not just the advertisers anymore. Political campaigns are also now mining data to try to win votes. I'm Izali Puma Podcast. In this episode of Teka Teka, we'll lift the veil on how big data is being used for political gains. What do marketers do with tons of data they collect from e-commerce websites and social media platforms like Facebook, Instagram, and Twitter? They analyze them for patterns, trends, and insights. This is called data mining. And what politicians have figured out is they can use the same tools to craft specific messages to target you.
2: It was a way to target your message going beyond mainstream media. It became what we call a direct-to-voter approach. The data mining happens based on what they want. So people don't even know that, wow, galing naman candidate A is eh. good. Diba? Ina-aral muna ang the candidate, then the campaign team or the campaign advertising team creates that ad, and it yeah. becomes a powerful tool not only for elections but for any policy initiative or advocacy.
1: That was Dean Domahigh, a political strategist and president of the Strat-based ADR Institute, speaking at a forum organized by the Philippines Communication Society. In short election campaigns have become very data-driven and everything you put on social media can be collected and used. It bears mentioning that Comelec has banned micro-targeting, meaning candidates can only use basic voter criteria like age, gender, and geography to push out their messages. They can't go deeper than that. But experts say many flout this rule. Here's Gemma Mendoza, head of research and strategy at Rappler on how micro-targeting works. It's impossible to really think of elections without thinking of data. Companies know. They know which content was read by whom and when, they know when somebody reacted a certain way, like even the amount of time it takes for that person to react to something. That's something that is collected. So that data is used, right? I mean, by the companies to trigger responses from people, and generally, it's a response to get you liking more. In 2018, SEL Group, the parent company of data mining firm Cambridge Analytica, claimed it engineered President Rodrigo Duterte's 2016 campaign and helped him win the elections. How? By harvesting the personal data of millions of Facebook users in the Philippines without consent and using it for political advertising. But the Philippines has a data privacy law that protects our information, right? So how come companies can still access our data? Here's Dindo again.
2: So how can we use the data privacy law to regulate these companies? Because it allows consent. But of course, with Facebook, the moment you become a member, I think there's that note there that they own whatever you post there. And people yeah. did not realize that. I think even with YouTube, when you... So the mere fact that you wanted to be part of their platform, you gave that consent and you thought it was free, engaging with your friends without realizing that the business side of it is understanding you.
1: According to economist and political analyst Andrew Masigan, it's both a boon and a bane.
0: Because it gives us the real picture or a close enough picture of what the sentiments really are out there. No? But on the other hand, it gives the players in the arena the opportunity to create realities. And these realities may not be accurate realities. These may be realities based on half truths, based on disinformation or, or outright lies. No.
1: Fact Checking Coalition, sec.ph, that's T S E K.ph, found that presidential aspirant Bong Bong Marcos is the biggest beneficiary of disinformation. Fake news about the Marcos family and abuses and corruption during martial law were being spewed on Facebook pages, YouTube channels, Twitter, and TikTok accounts. In January, Twitter suspended more than 300 accounts from Marcos supporters for violating its manipulation and spam policy. Speaking of messaging, how well have the top presidential candidates conveyed their platforms and priorities? Here's Andrew again.
0: Candidate Lenny... Has come up last December with her Hanab Boy which I think is a very well crafted uh, socioeconomic plan in that it tackles the core problems of the country in one fell swoop. You know? And the core problems, as you know, is poverty, joblessness, hunger, and income inequality. Isko has come up just last month with his 10 point Bilis Kilos plan, which I think is also very sensible. Okay. Of course, All the plans have pros and cons, no? But about East Coast Plan, it's really a spending plan. And uh, my question to East Coast Camp is, where the hell are we gonna get the money, no? Now that our debt levels are 63% of GDP. So uh, for me, that's a festering question. I like Ping Lakson's approach to his socioeconomic plan because he starts off with an internal cleansing. He recognizes that the core problems of the country are of course the debt debt levels, hunger and unemployment, and he attributes all that to corruption. And from there, he springs off to other strategies. In other words, everything towards a clean and reliable and corrupt free government is what Lakson is all about. Pacquiao has a very extensive one, 22 points, uh, all mother statements, no details, so I can't really comment, no? Interestingly, Marcos, has no socioeconomic plan, not on his website, not on print media, not on any written narrative. So how he is at 50% is really baffling, no? Because here he is, without a plan, lording it over the ratings. So that's something to think about.
1: It's often said that the country lacks political maturity, and the worry is that the advent of social media could have set us back even more, given how difficult it is to combat myths and disinformation. So how can we arm ourselves against this? Here's Dindo, Gemma, and Andrew again.
2: Let's find a way to engage people and to stop the spread of disinformation. Because elections are very important. It shapes our future. It tells us the direction that we want.
1: To make informed choices, we need to have reliable sources of information. No? It's really important to be looking at this platform, watching this, these platforms because of their potential impact on the elections.
0: I just want to let the listeners know or be aware that there are puppet masters behind every digital campaign. Be aware that this is an orchestrated effort which have been planned for a long, long period of time. So be judicious and be diligent. Do your homework. Again, I I refer to the platform.
1: Again, I'm Izali. This episode was edited by Presh Kapistrano and produced by Kat Ventura. Follow Teka Teka and Puma Podcast on Spotify or wherever you listen. Maraming salamat po.